Well, hello, friends. You're listening to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. I'm Chris, the Communications Director at Cap City. And if this is your first time listening or you just want to say hi, you can email me at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. Last week, we started a message series called Mind Blown. It's about the times where God blows our minds. And we're looking at the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a prophet who, based on this book, wasn't quite the life of a party. His story is full of some pretty tough stuff, and at times, it seems like he's kind of whining. So I guess it's no surprise that we can find all kinds of practical applications to our lives today, because let's face it, we are kind of whiny sometimes too. Today we're talking about when we have to wait on God, and we're going to discuss what it's like to wait faithfully. Let's get right to it with our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Patterson. Hey guys, glad you're with us. Glad for those who are online who are with us this morning. Uh, by the way, we've got some people, according to uh, what Tater just gave me, we've got some people in uh, Wichita and Kansas City, Atlanta, several other cities that are following with us and want to say hello and thank you. People like Tiffany Wright, De- Janet Brock, Linda Murray, Kelsey Cummins. I saw her in the store the other day and they'll be back just a little bit longer. But we're glad you're connecting with us online. Also, if you listen carefully as uh, Lisa explained the rules about her being slimed. Okay, now listen. She said if a hundred people send in, she didn't say it had to be part of our church family. All right? A lot of people are connecting with us online. If you send in a video, I'll make sure that whenever she gets slimed, it's put online and you'll be able to watch it, okay? If your kids have friends, okay, they don't have to go to Capital City. If you've got friends, have memorized this verse, send it on in. We'll add it to the list, okay? We're going to be technical on this one. If we get 100, I don't care where they're from. I might even go looking for them online, just getting videos of people saying it online. We want to make sure she gets gotten, all right? Here we go. Let's, let's start by just praying together for a moment. Father, it's an honor to be here in your presence. And we pray that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, guys, we opened for in-person worship last week, and it was a great worship service. Now, most people who know me pretty well believe that I'm too honorary to cry, but I actually did get a little teary-eyed last week. It was powerful when a significant chunk of our church family got back together in this room to honor our God. It was really good. And then I messed it up by getting up here and starting a little series on an obscure little Old Testament book called Habakkuk, Go Figure. And it was on purpose, kind of weird. On the other hand, we kind of discovered that it's a remarkably contemporary little book. Even though it was written about 2,600 years ago, Habakkuk was asking the same kind of questions a lot of people are asking today because it was a weird time in Israel, kind of like right here, right now. And so the answers that Habakkuk got from God might be answers that we need to hear, even if we don't like them. Anyway, Habakkuk was a prophet, which means that occasionally he would get messages from God somehow, and God expected him to pass these messages on to God's people, and Habakkuk was a fierce God follower. He believed in God with all of his heart. He believed that God is omnipotently powerful. There is nothing doable that God cannot do. He believed that God is omnisciently wise, which means that there is nothing knowable that God does not know or understand. He believed that God is totally good. God loves his people, and God will never, ever, ever do anything wrong. And yet, 
Israel was messed up. I mean, at this time, Israel was supposed to be a theocracy. That means a nation basically that is ruled by God's laws. But so many of their leaders were not God-honoring men. They were terrible. They were self-centered twits. They weren't leading Israel in a God-honoring way. Sound familiar? Habakkuk is like, come on, God. We need some intervention here. And the people out there were using each other and abusing each other, and they were engaging in senseless violence. Sound familiar? Been listening to the news? And too often, Israel's justice system wasn't part of the solution. They were part of the problem. The nation's economy was tanking. And back then, if you lost your job, you didn't eat. There were no unemployment or stimulus checks. And Habakkuk is like, come on, God. We need help here. Israel's enemies were getting stronger and stronger, especially one incredibly godless nation to the north called Babylon. So Habakkuk is like, God, where are you? Come on. We know you're powerful. We know that you see what's going on. We know that you love us. We know that you're perfectly good. And we're praying and we're praying. We're asking for help. Sometimes it doesn't seem like you're listening. God, from our perspective, it looks like the bad guys are winning and the good guys are losing. Sometimes we're all even tempted to think, maybe, God, you're doing it wrong. Now, we tackled a couple of really big ideas last week, a couple of big questions. Here's hard question number one. It's okay to ask God hard questions if they're honest. It's okay to bring your questions to God. He can handle it. It's not so smart to complain about God. If you're struggling with God, go to Him. He understands. Number two, sometimes our expectations of God are twisted. They're more fantasy than legit. We think that because God is good and powerful, well, He ought to make life easier for us, right? I mean, He ought to protect us from this pandemic. He ought to protect us from that economic that it's causing for so many. He ought to protect us from the bullies out there who are trying to shame us when we disagree with them. And God says, you didn't listen. I told you in this world you're going to have trouble. It's a broken world. In fact, I told you, sometimes because you're God followers, you're going to have more trouble because you follow me. In a world that's at war with God, God followers are going to have trouble. Now, I know God does offer us peace with Him right now. He offers us strength in hard times like right now. He offers us joy that comes from the hope that we know that amazing is coming. But if you think that God's job is to make your life easier in this world, God's not the one who's messed up. So Habakkuk is like, where are you, God? You going to do anything about this mess? God says, yeah, I got it. In fact, what I'm going to do is going to blow your mind. What I'm going to do, you're not going to believe. And that causes issues. You see, we talked about this last week. Sometimes we don't like God blowing our minds. Sometimes it bothers us intensely if we can't understand God. But why? Why would we ever fantasize that we could ever understand God? God sees things that we don't see. God understands things we don't understand. So it's pretty stupid to think things like or say things like, I don't, I don't see why God's allowing this to happen, so I'm walking away. 
Well, I don't get it, God. I don't see how a good God could let something like this happen. I couldn't follow a God who would let something like this happen. My kind of God would do something about this pandemic. My kind of God would heal my wife. He'd protect my job. He'd have my back when it comes to that bully. So I, if I can't understand what God is doing, then God must be doing it wrong, right? <laughs> Some people are even like, if I can't figure God out, maybe there's no God at all. That's crazy. He's God. What would ever make us think that Almighty God's going to fit into these little brains? Sometimes we have to trust him. So here's what God says to Habakkuk. He says, now this is going to blow your mind. You're not going to understand it yet. But listen, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Things are going to get worse, way worse, before they get better. In fact, I'm going to use the Babylonians, that despicable people up north, and I'm going to bring them down to Israel, and they're going to crush you, and they're going to carry a whole lot of you into exile. It's going to get way worse before it gets better. And Habakkuk says to God, that's crazy. God, you're the holy one. You're the eternal one. You're supposed to be perfectly good. You're supposed to be infinitely wise, and your plan is to use them to punish us? Really? See, Habakkuk is ruthlessly honest with God, even about his doubts. How smart is that? And he's asking the kind of questions that a lot of people are asking right here, right now. God, how long is this pandemic going to last? You've got the power to stop it. And now they're talking about a second wave and a third wave, maybe. Are they ever going to come up with a vaccine? They could use a little help, God. And look at how it's tearing the country apart. I can't think of a time when our country has been more polarized, maybe the 60s. It's even devolving into violence out there, God. Don't you think you could intervene a little more forcefully, maybe? And a whole lot of people are scared. People are losing their jobs. Jesus followers are losing their jobs. A whole lot of people are wondering whether the economic consequences of this quarantine are going to far exceed the medical consequences of this pandemic. And the politicians are out there playing politics. Go figure. Come on. International tensions are ramping up, and on top of that, on top of all of that, Jesus' followers are afraid to go to church. We're trying to do life your way, God, but it's hard. We need the strength, we need the encouragement, we need the challenge of the gathered church right here, right now. So what Habakkuk does next, it's kind of incredible to me, He says, I'm going to climb up to my watchtower and I'm going to stand at my guard post and I'm going to wait and I'm going to see what the Lord says and how he's going to answer my complaint. He says, I'm going to climb up to that place where I can focus and I'm going to stand there and I'm going to watch and I'm going to wait for an answer from you, God, which is on the one hand so smart and on the other hand so stupid. On the one hand, he's going to wait That's smart. I'm going to have to wait anyway. On the other hand, he says, God, I want you to explain yourself to me right now, which is stupid. On the one hand, he says, God, to God, I'm willing to wait as long as it takes, which is smart. On the other hand, do you know how stupid it is for any man to demand anything from God? I mean, Habakkuk kind of reminds me of a five-year-old child who threatens his mom. Give me what I want or I'm going to hold my breath. You ever hear that? That's kind of funny. Okay, hold your breath. When you'll pass out, you'll probably start breathing again. That's the right answer, by the way. 
But we have an amazingly patient God. And God says to his petulant little prophet, get your pencil out, Habakkuk. Get ready. I'm going to tell you what's coming. And I want you to make sure you get it right so you can tell it to others. And Habakkuk is probably like, finally, finally God's going to explain himself to me. Finally, God is going to reveal to me his plan. And in a word, here's what God says to Habakkuk. Wait. That's it, wait. NIV, though it linger, wait for it. It's going to come. It's not going to delay. It may feel like that to you. NLT, if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. Wait patiently, for it will take place. Message, if it seems slow in coming, you wait. It's on its way. It's going to come right on time. And Habakkuk is like, seriously, God? That's what you have to tell me? Wait. I ask you to do something, and your answer is patience, grasshopper. Did you know that waiting faithfully, waiting faithfully is one of the hardest things God will ever ask any of us to do? We're going to wait. I mean, we don't have any choice. Waiting faithfully. It's going to be one of the hardest things God asks you to do. You're going to wait on God. He's God. Whether you choose to wait faithfully or not is on you. And guys, did you know that how we wait on God is one of the greatest tests of our faith in God, especially when times are hard? I mean, it's not so hard to wait on God when life is easy, when life is good. But it's when times are tough that waiting faithfully counts. We don't give up. We don't despair. We don't chafe. We don't agitate. We don't freak out. I know a lot of us struggle with patience. Maybe the toughest kind of patience there is, maybe the most important kind of patience there is, is patience with God. How to wait faithfully. How many of you guys would call yourself patient? glad I can't see your hands because I'd have to call you liar, right? Right. Patience is a real struggle for me. I mean, for me, it's right up there with be nice, Patterson. <laughs> I am not a nice guy and I'm not a patient man. When I used to play a lot of golf, I hated slow golfers. I actually hit into them a few times accidentally probably just to encourage them to pick up the pace a little. When I'm driving, well, my impatience might go a long ways to explain a few of the tickets several police officers have gifted me with. When I'm shopping, if there's no self-checkout open, I'll look for the shortest line, and it seems like invariably someone ahead of me is going to have trouble with the cashier. And I hate shopping here in Frankfurt because too many people recognize that I'm a preacher and I have to disguise my impatience. Or how about a waiting room in a doctor's office? Huh? Don't you hate those places? I could write the instruction manual. And then there's this pandemic. Do you think this thing has strained our patience a wee bit? We're almost militantly polarized, aren't we? And some people are like, open things up now. This quarantine's out of control. It's going to do way more damage than this virus. And forget those stupid face masks. And others are like, can you be so self-centered that you don't care that people are scared and dying? Do you hate people so much that you wouldn't put up with a little annoyance to keep them safe? What's wrong with you? 
and neither side has a scintilla of patience with the other side. Guys, our impatience with each other pales by comparison to our impatience with God. Sometimes our impatience with people is justified. Not always, but sometimes. Our impatience with God has eternal consequences. Which is why over and over and over again the Bible talks about how to wait patiently on God. How to be patient with God. I know that sounds strange. As my preaching partner and I were working on the sermon, we spent a little bit of time pondering on why it's so difficult, at least for some of us. I mean, Randy may be worse than I am, and I'm terrible. Tim Keller pointed out a couple of reasons that kind of hit home for both of us. Number one, he says, we think we're smarter than we are. We think we're smarter than we really are. That's one reason we get so impatient. And number two, we think we're more more important than people around us, than others. We're arrogant and we're self-centered. We think we know and we think the world revolves around us, which is bad enough when we're impatient with people. It's self-destructively stupid when we're impatient with God. You start thinking about it. Your impatience ever caused you to do something stupid? It's caused me to do things stupid a lot. It really has. Maybe you're honking your horn. I'm saying this because I read about it somewhere and it couldn't have been me. Maybe you're honking your horn, riding their bumper and you finally zip on past them and you glare. Then you find out it's a 90-year-old grandma and she's scared to death. And you're thinking to yourself, my goodness gracious, someone had been honking at my grandma and riding her bumper. We'd have issues. I'd really be impressed too because both my grandmas are dead. But that's beside the point. Or maybe you're in a waiting room and you're sitting and you're waiting and you're stewing and you finally get to see the doctor and you're hoping he's going to be able to read the grumpiness on your face, right? And he comes in and you find out there really has been an emergency and you're just being a jerk. Ever had that happen to you? I've heard, I've heard it happen. Or you're in the checkout line and the cashier is ridiculously slow and you're getting ticked and then you discover it's her first day and she's scared to death and people have been riding her. Or you're at a restaurant and your waiter or your waitress isn't as attentive or sweet as you deserve. So you're crossing your mind. Maybe you got a stiffer on the tip. Then you discover she's in the middle of a crisis at home or she's just been serving a table of customers from hell. Julie and I have learned to tip graciously, irrespectively, because she was on the sales floor for 30 years and knows things like that happen. You see, you really don't know with people. You think you know, sometimes you're right. But sometimes we just think we're smarter than we really are. Listen, none of us is ever, ever, ever smarter than God. And if he doesn't do something the way that I think he should, if he doesn't do it when I think he should, there's a reason. Someday we're going to be like, oh, Wow. Wow, God. Sometimes we're impatient because we think we're more important than others. I mean, people need to move out of my way when I'm driving. I could be on a mission from God, right? Or maybe I want it now. You ever buy something you can't afford because you're just impatient? I want it now. I want it my way. I read about this last week. It's kind of interesting. Psychologists have tested the importance of self-control when it comes to patients. 
And they conducted what's called the marshmallow experiment. It's interesting. They tested hundreds of four and five-year-old kids. They'd bring the kids into a room, sit them down at a table, and put a marshmallow in front of them. And then they'd tell the kids, I'm going to leave the room for 15 minutes, and if you eat the marshmallow when I'm gone, that's all you're going to get. But if you leave it there until I get back, I'm going to give you another one, and you'll have two. All right? One, now, two, later, if you're patient. Self-controlled. Fifteen minutes later, they come into the room. And apparently it's quite entertaining because they always watch the kids. You know, kids don't know it. Some of the kids jump up and eat the marshmallow as soon as the tester leaves the room. Others wiggle and they squirm and they fidget and they fight temptation for a while. And finally at the end, they just break down and go, right? And a few of the kids actually wait and they get two. That's where the experiment starts because they actually start tracking these kids now for the next number of years. And those kids who are patient end up as a group with higher SAT scores, lower levels of substance abuse, a lower likelihood of obesity, better social skills, better handlers of stress, and pretty much better scores in a host of other measures. It's amazing. See, impatience can be cute with kids, but it's still self-destructive. Not nearly so cute with adults and it'll mess you up, and it'll mess people around you up. And impatience with God, that is self-destructively stupid on steroids. It's not about you. The world doesn't revolve around any of us. Our world does revolve around our God. So how? How do we wait faithfully on God? And there are some clues right here in Habakkuk. Lisa already pointed forward to one of the ones, the images that he uses that we need to look at. Listen to what he says. He says, I'm going to climb up to my watchtower. I'm going to climb up to my watchtower. I'm going to stand at my guard post, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to watch to see what the Lord says and how he's going to answer my complaint. Now, maybe it'll help just a little bit to understand a little bit about how they built cities back then. They would always build these walls around their cities, help them defend against their enemies. In the middle of these walls, occasionally they'd built these towers. These towers usually jutted out from the wall a little bit. They were higher. They were strong. That way, you could see farther, so you'd have more time to prepare. And if the enemies did come and they were attacking the wall, you'd be able to shoot at them from the side. Habakkuk climbs up to his watchtower, so to speak, not literally, It's a metaphor. He wants to get to a place where he can have as much perspective as he's got. And then he waits. His job is to wait. His job is to watch. And if you start thinking about it, I think you're going to recognize there are two things that we're going to need to do to wait faithfully, which is what this is about. Here's piece one. Choose humility, and it is a choice. Choose humility. Understand we're waiting on God, which means that no matter how high we climb, no matter how smart we are, God's still going to see things we can't see, and he's going to know things that we can't know. If I try to figure them out, that's cool. Occasionally, he gives us glimpses. That's neat. But if there are things I don't understand yet, I'm good with that too. You know why? Because he's God, and I'm not. And I trust him. 
I know he's infinitely powerful. He's the creator. I know that he's infinitely smart. He's the creator. I know he's infinitely good. He proved that on a cross. So choose humility. And if God gives you a glimpse, how cool is that? If you don't understand him yet, that's fine too. Choose humility. Choose obedience. This is huge. Absolutely huge. Some of you guys have been in the military, right? And I suspect if a lot of you guys who are in the military had to draw guard duty. Here's the deal. It doesn't matter whether you don't feel good. It doesn't matter whether you're tired or bored. You do your job. You can't decide, I've been here for two hours and I don't feel great. I'm going to knock off early. You can't decide, this guard stuff isn't making me happy. I'm out of here. Well, Habakkuk is struggling. He's struggling with God. He's got big questions that are eating at him. But he's going to wait faithfully, which means he's not going to leave his post. Listen, guys, you may be confused with God. You may be trying, tired of trying to do life his way. You may feel like God's not stepping up when you want him to, like he's not listening to your prayers. Listen, guys, don't leave your post. Climb up to my watchtower. Stand my guard post. I will wait to see what God says. See, we tend to do the opposite. When times are hard, when God seems absent, when life with God, for God, God's way, seems to be making life harder, not easier, we tend to stop doing some of the things that we ought to be doing. We stop coming to worship as often. We stop praying as much. We stop reading our Bible. We stop connecting with our small group. We stop serving the way that we used to. We leave our posts. And we're like, well, I wouldn't get anything out of it. It wasn't working out the way I thought it should. God may be working things out the way he thinks they should. I guarantee you it's going to be worse if you walk away. Don't quit, guys. Waiting faithfully means choosing obedience over and over and over again. We're servants of our God. And there's another piece to this choosing obedience. It's not just about keeping on doing the things that we ought to be doing. It's about stopping the things that we shouldn't be doing. You see, sometimes when we get confused with God, you see this a lot. I'm getting confused with God. I'm frustrated with God. I'm angry at God. I'm tired. I'm empty. It doesn't feel like God is there. So I try to make myself feel good in some way that is not God's way. You start doing things with sex. You start doing things with money. You start doing things with food or whatever, things that make you feel good in the moment, but you know are not right. And you know after the high of the moment, it's going to mess you up. Guys, waiting faithfully on God means you don't leave your post. You keep doing what you're supposed to do, and you quit doing the things that are God-dishonoring. Choose obedience. That's waiting faithfully. Choose obedience. Be humble. He's God. And choose obedience. Now, guys, I love the way that Habakkuk wraps up this little piece. He says, the righteous, the righteous will live. They will live by their faith. The righteous ones will live by their trust in God. And, guys, one of the most powerful evidences of trust, faith, is waiting faithfully. I don't know if this is a true story or not. I think it's cute, though. I heard about a new preacher in his first Sunday at a little church in eastern Kentucky. 
He didn't know any of the people yet, just a few of their names, so he took a chance and just called on one of the guys whose names he remembered to lead in prayer. The guy stood up, and he began to pray. And here's how he starts. Lord, I hate buttermilk. Preacher looked up. What in the world? And the guy says, Lord, I hate lard. Preacher's thinking first Sunday, first prayer, epic fail. Man added, Lord, I ain't too crazy about plain flour either. But after you mix them all together and bake them in a hot oven, I just love biscuits. So, Lord, help us realize that when life gets hard, when things come up we don't like, whenever we don't understand what you're doing, help us realize that we need to wait and see what you're making. And after you get through mixing it and baking, it'll probably be better than biscuits. Amen. Pretty good prayer, huh? The righteous, the righteous will live by their faith. They'll live. They're the ones who will live by their trust in God. And it's possible that some of you guys are sitting there listening, knowing that up until this moment, you never really have trusted God. You've always held something back. Maybe you've held yourself back. And you feel Him nudging. You feel the Holy Spirit nudging you. And you know it's the right thing to do. Are you satisfied with the results of a life lived without God? Are you tired of trying to dictate terms to God? Guys, just try it His way. What's not to trust? He's good. He's powerful. He's smart. He's loving. He's grace. The righteous will live by his faith. Would you like to be righteous? You know what that means? Fundamentally, it means would you like to be right with God? You see, the trust part, the faith part, is the part that we do, making us right with God. That's Jesus' part. Will you trust God and allow Jesus to make you right with God? Don't put it off, guys. If you're in this room, we need to talk. Go to the prayer room anytime after this service. I'll be hanging right here. Talk to one of our staff, one of our elders. We'd love to chat with you, guys. This is where life starts. If you're online, just type in me or send us a message or a text or a call, and we'll be glad to talk with you. Guys, life begins when we give ourselves to Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Father, this waiting faithfully is just hard. We want to know. We want to know why. We want to know when. We want to know how. Sometimes we're not going to. And sometimes we have to learn to trust you. And we know that you're that good and that smart, and that loving. You're completely trustworthy. Father, if there are those in this room who have not made Jesus the Lord of their life, I just pray, Lord, that you'll rattle them. Give them the courage and the wisdom to make that decision right now. It's just a matter of bending your knees to Jesus. There are those in here who are struggling for a variety of things, Lord. Help us to realize that peace, genuine peace, comes from trusting you. That's where joy is. And help us to stand tall as a people of God. We love you dearly. In the name of Christ we pray. 
Amen.